and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss a variety of stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 12 on Saturday, the 7th of December. I'm your co-host and my Amanda co-founder, Nigel. I'm Tazzy. I am a streamer and your co-host. Uh, Gina is uh, not feeling well, so she's absent for this episode. So we're going to pull together and work out how to produce a show on our own. We'll see how this goes. But we do have a couple guests with us. First of all is uh, Lau, former... We need to think of the title. Former director, current co-founder. It's Lau. Yeah, you know who Lau is. <laughs> it's me. Yeah. I'm back. <laughs> um, so for those that don't know, uh, earlier this year, Lau uh, stepped down from My Matter, but I think that you do still retain the co-host, co-founder title. Yes. Also with us is current editor uh, and operations director something. We need to work That's on these titles. That's what they're calling me at the moment. Okay. <laughs> cool. Lara Lee, welcome. Hi. Cool. So, um, just a reminder for people listening, you can subscribe to us. You can finally subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts. We did make it in the end. Woo! <laughs> uh, as well as Spotify, SoundCloud, and other places where you can get your podcasts from. A reminder that you can also send us feedback, any questions to feedback at mymeadow.com or just shout at us, shout at us on social media, uh, as most people do. My Matter on Twitter and My Matter Tees on Instagram. So this is going to be a different type of show. It's our last of the year and we're going to be recapping our most recent manga, Hot Lunch, plus looking at stories or our favourite stories over the year. But first, as ever, we're going to start with what's been happening in the My Matter universe. And first of all, I'm going to do a quick recap of conventions because I've been doing a lot of conventions recently uh, and been very tired. But uh, I did get a chance to go to Malta recently, which I haven't spoken about on the podcast, so I feel that should be um, touched on. Uh, What to say about Malta? It's great. If you haven't been to the Malta Comic Con, you should check it out. It's not that far Everyone, most people speak English, so if you're of English-speaking descent, mm-hmm. it works out. What do they speak for? Maltese? So I wanted to say that, but then is that just the obvious thing that that is not actually true? Mm-hmm. They speak something. It's not true, is it? I have no idea. What no idea. Think. Okay, we're going to Google that later. But enough people speak English that I got by. So it's the second time... You got by without even knowing <laughs> what the actual language was. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so I spent like four days at the Moto Comic Con it's the second time I've been to that convention and yeah I just really recommend it for one it's in a sunny place which is always good to have your convention but the organisers are very hospitable and you get picked up from the airport to the hotel they take you to and from the convention centre and it's just a nice kind of get away with other creators and other creators across Europe because they invite different people along. Um, So yeah, I had a really good time. Uh, I then followed that up with a a not-so-sunny trip to Harrogate um, for Thought Bubble and ended the year of conventions uh, at Thought Bubble. And yeah, just that was like a long series of how many conventions, like five conventions in a row. Uh, And it got me thinking that I need to 
kind of balance out uh, how many conventions I do or just I'm not bringing enough like sweets or chocolate or something to keep me going um, but I think one of the main things I sort of thought about was how to I guess how to showcase our brand at conventions and in the past now we've spoken about how best to show what we do in, in the best possible way and I think that many conventions in a row just seeing how other people do it um, especially now we've got sort of new stories um, coming out and on the way just how to get across everything that we do in terms of like comics and clothing and whatever else we might do so yeah just going to spend a I think my next convention is in March. Um, spend that time just thinking about how best to present um, present stuff on the table. Uh, one of the new things that will be going on our table is our next manga hot lunch, which is not done yet. So, but we're almost there. So it's going to be we're about I don't know nine five percent done. Um, the aim is for it to go to print in the next week for the regular edition so we can get stuff out to Kickstarter backers um, before before Christmas I'm going to put that out there on a recorded media before Christmas um, <laughs> um, see how that turns out and then we'll work on the collector's edition stuff before the end of the year uh, so our first priority there is going for all the Kickstarter backers because people have been very patient in um, waiting for us to go through the production and yeah we just want to make sure we get it to them uh, first and then uh, everyone else we can sort of make it available to and then bring it to conventions next year. So we're going to be talking a bit more about Hot Lunch and the process and my Mada Manga in general. So I'll leave, I won't go into too much detail uh, about that story. Other than you should check it out on our website when it's available because it is also available for pre-order. Uh, outside of comic stuff, we're also doing uh, preparations for not one, but technically two gamepad events. Uh, so we have our regularly scheduled gamepad, New Year gamepad event in January. And as always, you can go to gamepad.events and check that out. We're going to be having new games from Nintendo um, and then just a whole bunch of uh, tournaments as usual. And we're going to work in some cosplay stuff. Not exactly sure what yet but we will figure that out. Uh, but before then, we're going to be doing a special kind of gamepad event at the French Institute. So we've been, yeah, we've been booked to do a gamepad event. Well, it's their event. But we're powered out. There you go, powered by gamepad. That's the title we're using. Um, so that's going to be on December 14th at the French Institute in South Kensington. Um, so again... We'll have links in the show notes um, that you can check that out. And you can also come to the regular gamepad in January. And then we'll also have uh, copies of Hot Lunch available there. And as I mentioned before, this is our last show of the year and also last show of the decade. Someone may maybe realise that it's actually the end of a decade, not just uh, a year. So after this, we're going to go into hibernation uh, we're going to come back in 2020 with new shows and new show formats. So we're looking at doing different type of story x story episodes where we interview other creators. Are we still doing that? Yeah. We're still going to do that? Cool, we're still doing that. And we're going to take long looks at series where we kind of check in every so often 
and see how the stories are developing. So it's just going to allow us to do like, I guess, quick takes, but also come back and revisit stories that we're um, interested in. So that is all from the Mayamada universe. So we're now going to move on to our spoiler-free discussion on what everyone has been watching, reading, playing, just consuming in general, what stories we've been absorbing. So first of all, we're going to start with our guests. So Lau, what have you been, what have you been consuming lately? Good question. So I had a family movie night and I was asked to figure out what we should watch and I ended up picking a film from the 90s because everyone in the room agreed that Films. Best decade. Well, Best decade. films were good back then, basically. Not to say anything about films at the moment, but, you know, hey, you could pretty much never kind of go wrong. At least that's what I thought. But yeah, we were watching a film called, I think it's The Nick of Time or In the Nick of Time. Have you guys heard of it? Nope. No. Nope. Never, ever. Same here, but <laughs> it actually stars Johnny Depp and uh, Christopher Walken and it's a really cool film that seems like a really weird combination I, I know but it, it works really well um, I, it's on I think it's on Netflix it's on Netflix so yeah definitely check it out it's a thriller and um, it's one of those thrillers where um, I can't really talk too much about it because it kind of gives away the whole idea of the film I mean obviously there's still a lot that happens in the film, but I wouldn't want to share too much. So all I'll say is that um, you do see Johnny Depp, um, a very young Johnny Depp, that kind of getting stretched. Uh, but Christopher Walken is the character that really shines in this film. And if any of you guys know him, he was in... Oh, was it Batman Forever? No, Batman... I just remember Paul. He's like an old school star. He, yeah, he's yeah. an old school star, but he was in Batman, the second one. I've forgotten the one it is. Um, I think it's Batman Forever. Um, and he was also in... Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. He's in, oh, he's in so many different things. But yeah, he's, he's a good guy to kind of follow if you want to check out some great films. Um, and then the other film that I'm watching, because sometimes I just watch films in parts, is one by the Coen brothers called The Ballad of Buster Skuggs. I think it's Buster Skuggs. Um, and it's a Western, and I totally love Westerns and anything to do with Westerns, so... Has to check it out, but they're just really short stories uh, following just different people out in the Wild West. Um, Is that on Netflix? It's on Netflix. Um, so if you're looking for a film that you can kind of just dip in and out of, that's a good one. I think the stories get progressively longer as the film continues. So the first one's about Wait. five minutes. Oh, it's, it comes in. Yeah, it's a film segments. that's just about a bunch of short westerns. Oh, okay. yeah. This is the, like the perfect film for you, then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's the perfect film for me. So um, I've watched about, I'd say, seventy percent of the thing. Um, uh, the one thing I will say is that uh, I hope this is not. I don't know if this is a spoiler. Uh, they all seem to have something bad happening in every story. Um, so if you're looking for kind of happy ending type stories this is probably not for you but if you want to watch something that's very visually interesting and uh, yeah just enough to kind of keep you entertained for a few minutes until whatever story comes along then it's perfect 
Yeah, and the vi- the visuals are really good as well. I think, especially if you like westerns, if you like like Red Dead Redemption, you'll you'll like this. Mm, okay, that's kind of me, but it's also not. I've got other issues with that. I'll save that another time. <laughs> the what, first Red one, Dead Redemption. Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. Oh, okay. The first one. I haven't played the second one. Okay. <laughs> Horse riding simulator. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. Um, that's great. That's great. <laughs> uh, Lara Lee, what, what about you? Um, I'll quickly go through my book series and film, but I'm going to need you to help me with the film. It's <laughs> 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 about Knives Out, but I usually forget. <laughs> and also mix up my movies. So, um, the book that I've just read, so I went back to my mum's house and she's got lots of different books and I just grabbed a handful and I read The Valley of the Dolls and it's a book that was written in the mid-60s about three women who kind of all have different backgrounds and they come together, they start live together at some points in their lives and it starts just after the war, so like. It start, I think it starts around December 1945. But what I found interesting about it was the kind of... There's three women and it's essentially a man's world. How do they navigate themselves and what are their goals? And they, I feel like it could be written now. Um, there is a lot about drug dependency in there so it, it goes a bit wrong but also the other thing I liked about it wasn't it it didn't just end nicely um, like you've just said about not having great endings or great um, things happen that's what I like in a, in a story because everything isn't always rosy so um, I, I quite like that and from a feminist kind of point of view it's interesting to see the different women's goals in life. Um, but obviously, love is still central, meh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but yeah, I find it really interesting. Um, my series, I've just started the new series of Rick and Morty. So the third one's just come out, I've just watched that. So if anyone watches that, um, I felt like I'm reasonably intelligent. I I got lost in the middle of it, but then I feel like that was probably the intention of the third one. So the third one, without any spoilers, is um, based on heist movies. Ooh. Immediately interested. Well, yeah, I watched Rick and Morty anyway, but and it was it was quite it's quite funny because in the middle I was like, okay, this is this is just too much. I can't, I can't um, navigate where I am in this story, and um, but in the end it came together. What's the premise of the show? Have you it, not watched Rick and Morty? Not a one. Oh, see, I, no, no, I, I didn't watch it. I, I avoided it for so long, simply because the granddad had that piece of... Is that vomit oh, or spit? No, it's like alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I think it's supposed to be like alcohol. I think it's just a mix. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's a I mixture. Think 
I think the mystery is part of it. Yeah. I think it's just supposed to be. Because it all gets like mixed in there. Right? It's, it's really like... disgusting, and I, I couldn't check myself watching a cartoon that constantly <laughs> had that. It's so nasty. Would you just feel yourself like wanting to wipe it off? Like, I thought you were going to say something like because it's like so hyped. Oh, literally never heard that said as a reason not to watch with the noise. Well, I feel like it's from my mum because she has random reasons why she would ban things in the house. So no one was allowed to watch Jumanji because she just didn't like the way that the name sounded. She didn't like Jumanji, wow. so we couldn't watch that. So this is probably kind of like that. Thanks, mum. But yeah, so it took me a while. But once I got over that, it is really hilarious. The, the first time I funny. watched Rick and Morty, I was like, why have I waited until now yeah I was like I've not got through this especially if you like if you are a somewhat intelligent person (laughs) (laughs) I've got more cautiously like acknowledging our intelligence I I don't even think I'm that intelligent I don't know about you guys I have have intelligent friends (laughs) so I'm just gonna go with that and they still have you around (laughs) (laughs) so but there's a lot of like science jokes in it but then I feel like even if you don't get the science jokes at all, it's still yeah. Because I don't funny. know how how much I took in the science jokes. But it's basically about a granddad who is um, genius. He's like basically like the most clever person in the whole entire universe. I yeah, think. I think they spend time like he's like yeah. he's just he's ridiculously yeah. intelligent. He's kind of like based off like a few different icons, I guess, or like. So like Doc People. from um, Back to the Future. Yeah, so they use yeah, inspiration yeah. like Einstein. Like mm. they they draw on all these kind of people and characters, and then create like Rick. <laughs> and then <laughs> and he then. carries his carries around with him on. He basically goes on adventures throughout the universe. And he takes his nephew with him. Who is? Uh, no, his grandson. His grandson. Sorry. His who grandson is? with him, who is Morty, who isn't that <laughs> Who is at all. What you would say, the opposite of intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, really, like, shy, kind of, like, this kid who... I mean, he's... He's not the popular or smart kid at school. Mm. Wow. He's like just the who is that kid kid? Yeah, mm. yeah. But yeah, it's about their relationship. Um, you but see the, their family as well, yeah. and so the different members of their family have it's a fun character. Bit of a like dysfunctional family type yeah. thing. Like mm. the the husband and wife is a bit like uh, like there's. There's love there, but it's like, why are they together? And sometimes, like, that's pushed in question. Yeah. And then there's, like, um, the relationship with the, the mum and the granddad is, like, he was actually, like, just left out of her life for ages, and then he's come back, and that's why he lives with them. Um, and then, yeah, the dad's a bit dumb as well. <laughs> <laughs> the dad is like... I think Summer's probably the most normal probably, yeah. character. Mm. Uh, she's pretty much just like a teenage 
like a stereotypical teenage girl from an American show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have the kind of nuclear family. They've got mum, the dad, the teenage daughter, and the son. Yeah. Um, and then just. Quit. But yeah, check it out. I I really love it. Um, and then the film we saw Knives Out the other day. We did. I was there. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. It just I didn't know what the movie was at all when Me I either. went into the cinema. Um, I think our friend just booked the tickets and I went along and I was really pleasantly surprised. Yeah, um, do you remember what it was about? It's a murder mystery and um, they kind of take you along with them, however, they do tell you quite early on. Yeah. It's a it's like a murder mystery by with a, a who done it but they tell you who done it. Yeah. So it's why they is it how and why then? Do they it's kind of like, yeah, like yeah, yeah, why how, to and also how they're gonna get out of like that situation. Yeah. But it's really well done and I guess with the you have the whole ensemble cast, so it's all like people you recognise, um, like put together and you're kind of looking at how they're gonna interact with each other, um, in terms of the characters in the story. And it does well in drawing out like sort of motives or potential motives for each character, and in in a way, kind of like a subverting those. Because um, yeah, even though you already know who committed the murder, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, I know. We're, we're, we're dancing around the spoilers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just go watch the film. Yeah. It's Even great. though you already know, there's still kind of motives for everyone. Yeah. So. I like that. Yeah. I like really that. Good. It has me wondering like... whether what happened happened. Yeah. So. Oh. I, love, I love something where, like, I love murder mystery stuff. Like, because I love, I love, like, cop shows where, like, I'll figure out who caught, like, committed the crime. <laughs> but I love it when they start an episode of, like, this is the guilty person. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> and then they like uncover like the story and the Yeah, joke it's like that. You'd love this film then. Yeah. I'm going to have to go see it. I didn't even know about it prior. This is why I love doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to go next. Uh, so I'm pretty much going to talk... Well, I'm going to bring out something else as well. I actually read uh, Sirius... I really liked it. Um, I, I like one more. So yeah, I feel like the pressure's now just immediately on me. I was gonna, you know, I was gonna say like, no pressure loud, and I really like, yeah. <laughs> that's me. Okay. Um, yeah. and, I, and I'm lucky enough to have have a, a preview of hot lunch as well. So that's sort of what I'm reading at the moment. Um, it's good. We'll talk more about it. But. Um, so, yeah. And then, I... Uh, so, this is what I really want to talk about right now. It's Daybreak. I've watched the first two episodes. Two? Maybe three? Two? I don't know. But it took me two weeks after watching the first one to watch the second one. Because <laughs> it was annoying me so much. The actual show is so annoying to watch. But, like, it's got this good-ish kind of storyline there that I want to be good. Um, And the reason why the show is so unbearably irritating is because they do this 
commentating thing where the main character sort of like breaks the the fourth the wall, fourth wall mm. and starts oh but I usually like that though. no but it's done really badly mm. I don't mind that but it's not the kind of show that should have this and not so much and it's like teenagers as well and they and so (laughs) (laughs) so it starts off with the fourth rule broken and the character commentating being like it's a it's a like kind zombie but they call them gaudies apocalypse um where only the adults have been affected that's Mm. the sort of about the show um, and does, it's, it's like the tribe does anyone remember this yes channel 5 yes. that happened in the tribe it's, yeah it's a bit like the tribe I used to love that show love it's it. got that kind of tribey yeah 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 a bit like that um, but this character starts off by telling you his pretty bland story um, of how uh, he used to be like the unknown kid and the apocalypse was like the best thing to ever happen to him because now it gets to be like badass and cool mm. and he starts off with like a satellite Order. and he's telling you about like how he lives his life and he's all like lone wolf and cool and you're like alright cool this is pretty cool like who didn't want this as a like teenager anyway <laughs> she go on and then he just keeps breaking the fourth wall but in the <laughs> most annoying irritating like I'm like I thought I liked this way of storytelling but now I hate it wow because it's done so badly, but the, this show is like quite cringy as well. And I feel like without that extra commentary, it'd just be like standard cringe. Yeah. And now it's like I sit there and like he starts talking at me, and I'm like, shut up, <laughs> please, just can we get on with the story? Wow. Or like, is it because his character's annoying? His character. If somebody is... else was. No, talking. it would just be just as annoying because they do it at the most annoying. Like some big action would be happening, it'd be like, wait a minute, and like. It will go into it. So he'll have like these flashbacks. And say like there's a door. And they're about to go through this door. In the present time. Then he'll be like. Hold on a minute. Talking to you. And he'll go into some monologue. And then we'll go through the door. But in the flashback. And then. He'll just be constantly talking. Rather than them just then playing through the story. And him like commentating over it. So it's kind of. Yeah, it interrupts it too much. And he over-explains. It's like, you know when someone explains a joke, and like, if you have to explain a joke, it's not funny. Mm. It's that. There's literally one point, I think it's the second episode, and it's not really a spoiler. No, this isn't a spoiler. Basically, he's talking to his past self, and then he explains to you that this person's not... He's not really there. It's just him imagining him being there and it's just the best way they could represent it on screen and it was like really (laughs) I would have never guessed that like it was it was the most over explained thing I've ever seen on screen and I was like no one no one needed that explanation we kind of got it from the conversation that was going and the flashback we just had we got that this was like just a representation of a conversation with yourself. So what keeps you in? I was about to say, yeah. are you going to continue? So he's trying to find this girl, and I just want him and to, you find need to find a girl. That storytelling at its best. You both you've both got a clearly defined mission that can just all normally be enough to keep you in. Yeah. 
I was like, that's compelling enough. It's, that's compelling enough, apparently, for me. And the fact that I kind of want to know, like, why only adults were affected, um, especially as there's a point where it questions if adults. Just do are you remember why that happened in the tribe? No, I cannot. For the life of me, remember. Um, I'm trying to remember this. They should bring the tribe back. Yeah, they should. Whenever I try and explain the tribe to people, people are like, huh, what's that? So I'm so glad. (laughs) But Um, that was, that was, is it, was it a Kiwi? Yeah, that or Australian. To be honest, man, I think back in the 90s and Noughties, Australian TV shows. I I, I think it was Kiwi because Australians and um, Kiwis aren't that chuffed about mixing them up. (laughs) Sorry. Don't get that confused. (laughs) I have a a friend from New Zealand and if you mix mix him up with Australian, he changes colour. So, yeah, that's my big rant. Over. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel. Cool. Have um, you got some good stuff? <laughs> yeah, I've got, <laughs> I've got a few things. Nothing to rant about, but I'll quickly touch on a couple of things I'm reading, which is um, Northern Lights of uh, His Dark Materials series. Oh, are you reading it? Uh, yeah, so I was recommend. Surprisingly, I haven't read it before because I've got a whole bookshelf at home with a bunch of fantasy uh, titles and this one did not make it in but I was talking to our artist Penali and just thinking about ideas for sort of future stories and she recommended I go and read this and then I realised they've actually made a show I was on she said that and yeah because ah, I I was just telling Nigel before I found the book like I just said that I just raided my mum's bookshelf for loads of stuff and there was there was Northern Lights on there so I've literally yeah. got it now ready to read so I okay. can't watch the BBC programme so is this yeah. the first book the first yeah. book yeah so I, then I saw there's a TV show so I was like okay now I have to read it well I don't have to but I wanted to read it uh, before I watched the show mm. uh, so I'm really early so I can't, can't comment but um, it just seems like the kind of thing I would like if kind of that makes it you know when you, you read a story and it's just like okay yeah I can get into this see that's interesting have you seen anything about anything um, on BBC have you seen any part no, of it I have watched the first uh, I want to say about 15 minutes and I wasn't hooked I wasn't it didn't I didn't want to continue I actually didn't continue this was before I found the book okay um, and I didn't continue but it seems like a concept that I'd enjoy reading I don't know maybe yeah I feel like it's one that I enjoy reading better, but I've watched like, I don't know, some random bit of an episode that walked in on mm. people watching it. Um, but I was like, oh, I really like this. And the trailer looked really good. It looked really impressive. I didn't see like the a, trailer. It looks like a feature film in the trailer, and I was oh, like, Because there is a feature film of it, isn't there? The, the Golden, Golden Compass. Compass but yeah. I never watched that. That didn't look I good. I haven't seen that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will mean, put more uh, on, on that. Um, because yeah, I'm like really early, so. Well, uh, I'm on the I first page, so. You can have like a little mini book club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very mini. Very mini. Uh, the other thing I'm reading is the uh, Descender series, uh, Descender comic series, which is a yeah really good. So I just got 
volume four. So I went back and reread one to three. So I caught up with my myself, so I can read four. Um, so it's essentially a story about this um, companion robot called Tim Twenty One, and he's like the key to the this like can I say race of robots? Yeah. Basically, it's a race of robots that wipe out a lot of um, humanity and just life in the universe. And so it's kind of this this future where people have come to depend on robots and the whole question of AI and um, and then that goes wrong and then people turn on robots. So now we're in a place where people are actually going out and what's called scrapping robots is essentially like killing them. So you've got these bounty hunters whose job is to go out and kill um, robots. But this companion robot, uh, Tim21, whose job it is to be a companion, in this case, to a a uh, boy called Andy and yeah he's got there's something in him which is the key to either bringing back uh, this like destructive race of robots or helping stop them I'm not quite sure yet it's still a bit um, of a mystery but uh, yeah highly recommend that and they, the art is really good so it's a nice um, kind of watercolour style of art artwork. how do you spell that? Uh, Descender D-E-S-C-E-N-D-E-R Descender Descender Temples. There you go <laughs> <laughs> I think I I'm going to have to uh, I read that I love anything yeah. with robots and if you add companion robot onto yeah. it for some reason that's just really yeah. great and he's such a nice robot so he kind of wanted to survive but he's kind of naive as well but anyway I'll let you sort of read that so <laughs> um, the other thing uh, I've been playing is The Last of Us uh, so I started it because I was playing Red Dead Redemption 2 I'm not going to get into a thing about that I might save that for later but I was looking for a new game to play and Last of Us is something I've played bits of but not the whole thing so I wanted to go through the story before uh, the, the part That's 2 comes out yeah uh, so again, I'm uh, really early. I've um, just met um, Ellie. Oh wow, you are Ellie. really early. Yeah, yeah, like just really met. So. Yeah, so, what's the premise of that? Um, is such a great game, by the way. Like zombie virus wipes out humanity, um, and then the girl uh, Elle has the key to survival. Have I got that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But what's really good, I will say, from a storytelling perspective, is that the story starts with. Um, so Joel, yeah. I'm looking at uh, Tanya just to make sure I've got my facts right. But um, So you start off playing uh, well, Joel and his daughter, and as everything's kind of happening, as the, the I'm going to say, zombie apocalypse, for lack of a better uh, term, is kicking off, and it just gets you in emotionally because you play his daughter, there's just a lot of confusion with the character, so there's a lot of confusion with the player. Uh, and then uh, a series of events happens, and his daughter is actually killed. It's really early, so I can that's that kind of yeah. the premise. It's of the kind game. of the premise of it, yeah. Yeah, story. and that kind of like just hooks you in the way the way she's killed and the circumstances and everything. It just is like okay, now I'm emotionally invested in this story. Let's go. So it's a really good uh, way to do it. So yeah, I'm going to be playing that uh, more over Christmas. That um, game, sorry, that game. I struggle to play horror games, and this is when I struggled even more because I wasn't forcing myself to play horror games at that point. Um, and the story is so good that it was like no I have to play this game I don't care how scary it is like each sort of I guess like chapter of it 
like you'll introduce like new characters, new twists, new dynamics, new relationships. But it's like I want to know more about this, and like you know, you're like people's pasts are brought up and their motives are questioned, and the strains on relationships, and it's just. Yeah, and then right. it's a, 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 like a well-made game. Like the mechanics are good, but huh, it's brilliant. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> if I hadn't already bought it, you'd be really sad. <laughs> <laughs> I need to play um, it again. Um, and then the last thing I can uh, touch on is, is I started watching Gotham, which is a show I'd avoided for some reason, but on some prompting from uh, Tanya being one of them, is um, something I enjoy. I I do like this series, and. I try to, it's a weird, so it's kind of, there's a bunch of like comic book uh, based shows and I feel like they all fit different categories. So for me, you've got ones like, so like the Marvel Netflix series, like sort of Daredevil and Jessica Jones, which for me are like up at the top um, in terms of like serious drama. And then you've got like a lower end, I'm not saying lower in terms of quality, just in terms of like tone, um, something like The Flash, which is very happy. I don't know if any of you have seen The Flash. Yeah, I've seen a couple episodes. Okay. I've seen Flash. Yeah, it's very happy. Like, you're, you're not going to be offended in any way watching that show. And Gotham kind of sits in between. So, like, tonally, it's... Because it's, it is dark, because it's set in Gotham, but it has these moments of... I know, kind of, like, almost like slapstick uh, comedy, but... Um, so you, you follow uh, Jim Gordon a young rookie cop, Jim Gordon, um, at the start of his career. Um, and I, I really like him. This guy comes in. I like him for two reasons. His character's just like, he doesn't let anything go. Like, this guy is like here to stop corruption wherever and whoever is doing it. But he comes across this, this world, this, or in this case, Gotham City, where corruption is just like, like the air you breathe. And I'm watching it, I'm thinking, I'm reminded of Ned Stark in uh, Game of Thrones, where you have this character who's, who's very principled and sort of straight in a world where you can't play at that. Um, in Ned's case, obviously, that didn't work out so well. But for Jim Gordon, he kind of adapts slightly. So I've noticed, I'm on sort of, sort of partway through season two, and I've noticed he's, he's changed. He's still the same character, but he's sort of changed to fit like how things are done in Gotham while keeping his soul in <laughs> barely. Um, but yeah, it's really cool because you get to see like all the characters you know and I feel like this is the, the, the benefit that this show has in terms of hooking you because we know the Penguin, we know the Riddler, we know Batman, we know these characters. So it's automatic curiosity, like how did they get there? What's their story? So you're just in it. Uh, or at least I find I don't know how you found watching it's just I want to see like how how does the penguin who's almost like the the co-protagonist in season one because it's about his him and Jim Gordon's relationship is constantly something that they use to tell the stories throughout yeah yeah so and I like how they did that I quite like the penguin character as well but you kind of yeah see where these characters start from and then you have that image in your mind of who they are so it's about like okay now the the job of Gotham is to fill that gap, and yeah, it's just like very engaging in that way. So I think that is the magic of that show is like characters you know and the things you don't know about them exactly. All. And and there's like a fun guessing game that I like is like who is this character? So yeah. like 
there's so many of like so many of the the um, sort of like DC uh, villains in this um, and they kind of there's some that you, they don't let you know who they are straight away mm. they kind of like just add elements of their character and then they slowly build up to become or some like some of them don't actually become but they're like on their way yeah, to being yeah. and you can clearly see that yeah. and it's there's a lot of on their way characters yeah <laughs> and that's the magic of it because you've got the characters you know but in a way you don't quite know them but keeping those familiarities and yeah. traits that make them their characters while introducing like some other ones that aren't as known or like just other characters in this universe and I will say my favourite character is Alfred anymore his version of Alfred is just yeah just um Solid. Yeah. Great guy. Character. Yeah. I'd want to be friends with him. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I've been uh, uh, consuming. And yeah, so hot lunch, volume one. Yeah. Which is almost done. Almost done. When we get it. So, first of all, I think, um, sort of like your, go through each of you and like overall process of making it and like what your opinions, I guess, are on it. How do you feel about it? Hmm. It's literally been years in the making. Literally. Literally, yeah. Yeah. I went back and looked at um, the first few pages. So, when we started My Matter in, in this iteration, um, we met Penali, the illustrator, and then we did like sort of one shots of each of the stories. Yeah. So I went back and looked at the hot lunch one, and uh, yeah, I mean we all got better. I'll say that <laughs> we all got better at doing this thing because you can see the the difference, which is good because if it looked the same, that would be a problem. If I remember correctly, it was how Taishi recruits Tancho. Yeah, it was basically, it was the same premise. So the premise has always been there. And we did this thing where you see Taishi getting kicked out of the circle of flavor and then going off to recruit each member. So you see him get Tansho, you see him get Bruce. I think that was it. And we just ended and nothing happened for like four years. (laughs) Part one. Um, So yeah. Actually, I should explain for those who haven't read the story or at least the first part of the story because in 2015 we put out the first part of Hot Lunch um, which kind of shows Taichi's motivation and so in the sort of summary uh, Hot Lunch is a story about this um, this I was going to say guy it's Tiger uh, Taichi who has this ambition of becoming a renowned chef in a certain flavour like his late father uh, was so you see him start off in what's called the trials and this is like the I don't know the kind of like the cooking shows um, where you see who's the best chef so you have to go through these tasks um, and he's doing well there's another character called Sasuke who's also doing well and then because of who his father is and the sort of backstory to that which will be outlined uh, further on in the story he kind of gets framed for a crime he didn't commit because 
the Circle of Flavour are this organisation who, on the surface, are there to protect high standards of restaurants, but below the surface, they're essentially your standard criminal organisation, only concerned with power and profit. So they, um, the leader, Caesar, sort of, yeah, uh, initiates a plot that frames Taishi, exiles him, and then you see Taishi kind of change his goal from wanting to be in the Circle of Flavour to now wanting to bring it down because it no longer he's seen a light basically he's he's um, he's reborn as a master thief it's cool I definitely see progress in what I've read so far of the new lunch cool um, that's good to know <laughs> and it is quite gripping um in sense of how the the characters are written and how we do have this sense of mystery around Taishu's father um, with these little like flashbacks just sprinkled in and I'm like who is he like and I think uh, so the circle talk about his father as well uh, in this very cryptic way like he's going to become like his father and the, the and it's like so I think as a reader it's like who is he like so yeah and, and I want to ask you like how'd you come up with that how did you did you decide first a backstory for the dad and then or um, not if you remember you know yeah no I'm trying to remember because <laughs> what we do now we um, we'll sort of talk about the story so myself uh, Lau and Lama Lee did I uh, had a lot of discussion around the direction of the story uh, and I'm trying, I don't know if you remember at what point I introduced the flashback. They definitely weren't there at the beginning. Yeah, I remember where I was when we were having the conversation. I'm standing in my kitchen, but I can't remember the conversation. Okay. Because, okay. <laughs> 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 um, so I think I needed, there, so there were certain points in the story where Taisha would do something I was about to do something and I needed to have a way to kind of give some explanation of why he would take these steps or what his interpretation was, what his motivation was uh, to take these steps. So I'd also, I think some of the characters, like I said, talked about his dad, but not exactly explained or you hadn't seen him at that point. And Taishi starts off the story talking about his dad and wanted to follow in his footsteps. So I thought the flashbacks would be a good way to kind of explain some of the yeah some of his motivations so you as the reader would see okay this is where he's coming from or this is where he's he's come from and then drop little hints of what might be to come also yeah I definitely think the the flashbacks were a positive addition um to the story because I feel like without it you wouldn't have that like that teaser if that makes sense yeah. It really pulls you into that and, and pulls you into wondering what the motives are. Yeah, and subconsciously, I feel like when you put flashbacks in, it's something that you're looking for, oh, when's the next flashback going to be? Mm. And it's it kind of a little treat alongside the story. Mm. That's the way I, I see them. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't actually sure whether to do them or not because I wasn't sure if flashbacks were a good thing or not because they're essentially... Lost. You know, I haven't even seen Lost by no of the controversy but essentially because flashbacks are exposition and there's one of the things in your story you don't necessarily want to just dump a lot of information um, 
but flashbacks are used for that purpose. So I guess it's trying to find a way to not do a whole big information dump, but give enough that you're intrigued by what's going on through flashbacks. I feel like, yeah, they do add like a perfect, perfect balance because I feel like without them, there wouldn't be enough information. Especially if his father was going to be mentioned anyway. Yeah. Then I feel like without it, it'd be like, why is his father keep being mentioned? But I feel like adding the flashbacks is like, there is a reason that we're getting to that. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it, yeah, we're getting to it. Yeah, if hot, if hot lunch was like really a lunch, it's kind of like the fresh lemonade that you sip before the next bite of the story. <laughs> yeah, like that. Like, you, just, you just need that little diversion and then you kind of okay let's get back into it um, but yeah I quite I quite like it um, I even have my own funny little idea of who the dad is obviously I don't know but I like to kind of make up these things <laughs> my um, so yeah talking of the characters <laughs> who is everyone's favourite character uh, I told you my wow <laughs> <laughs> You should have been across the table right now. Can we just get straight to Lara Lee? Yeah, 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 I think we should do all this. <laughs> it's about time. See, I don't think out. it's that strange, but everybody else is that strange. But Bruce, who is the rhino, is just so hot to me. Like, he's just delicious. But this was from back from the in beginning. the day. This is so long ago that what what birthday was it because it was I feel like it was about three was years ago now many birthdays ago I did get like a special Bruce calendar a concept year. artist to yeah. do Bruce a well, like calendar a, of Bruce oh my god <laughs> but it was like a, a not safe for work necessarily <laughs> uh, so no like he was doing different things like he's playing guitar with his shirt off and he was like Dressed in like a Santa suit, or he had like a chain, yeah. I never knew about this. <laughs> yeah, it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't go beyond, like, <laughs> I, <didn't, laughs> I just want to point out that before we started recording this, um, <laughs> Laura Lee was looking at some of the, the um, pages, pages yeah, yeah, that's the word, <laughs> the pages, and just hear her, mmm. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so who is Bruce? Wow! <laughs> so I'm just trying. <laughs> I'm just trying. Lau, the picture okay. of the concept wow. calendar. There's Bruce playing guitar. That one's kind of yeah. I see that one. See, it's you got see, like the hot guy, muscly hot guy. Yeah, but I'm also in touch with you know my feelings because I'm playing the guitar. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't think about that. I didn't really think about his feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so, my favourite character. Yeah. Is it just the looks? Because <laughs> <laughs> as the story's coming out, he actually does have a good story to him, too. There's, there's more than the muscles and the brooding, sexy look. It's, it's, there's more to him in the story, but no one's going to be. I've just met him in the story and his first impressions he seems like a cool guy so I'll give him that 
Um, okay. <laughs> who wants so, to go next? Who wants to follow on from uh, that? I'm still covering, so that will be on So, like I said, it's not so much a favourite, it's the character I hate. Um, I just have a complete and utter disdain for Sasuke. <laughs> I disdain. hate Sasuke. And to be honest, I'm only in this to see Sasuke go down. I don't know why. I mean, I did ask you a favourite character, but you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I agree that sometimes my favourite character is the one that I can't stand. Like, what? what is it? There's, there's a couple of things I've been watching where I just don't like any of them. Um... But they're escaping. I feel I've been asking people about Sasuke, and I feel like I'm the only one that has any sympathy for her. She's spoiled, she's just. Oh, is it a she? Yeah. <laughs> With a fringe and a ponytail. <laughs> I mean, anyway. I mean, you cannot <laughs> assume gender yeah. these days, actually, so. Yeah. There you go. Well, yes, yes I, I did write it as a she. I mean, I could be reading, like, some Naruto. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to. <laughs> every time I read the name, I'm like. <laughs> For those who don't know, Naruto is an anime manga based on a ninja um, who has a friend called Sasuke who um, has some issues. He's a bit of a mean friend, to be fair. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, but I just think the character um, is just mean and a bully and entitled. I don't like those kind of characters. And then when they're on top. Sorry, but I'm in it to see them get knocked down. So, That's are we going to go with this is your favourite in the sense of what they add to the to your enjoyment? Because you're kind of like re, you're, you're enjoying their demise, yeah, the transformation yeah, of their the, the concept of them going down. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I just wanted to work in favourite favourite characters you hate. Okay. <laughs> I have to pick up actual favourite, then I'd probably go for Tancho. <laughs> Because um, he just looks cool, and um, again another kind of looks. But hey, you know, sometimes you know, it's all about looks. <laughs> sometimes. <Yep. laughs> okay. uh, I will try and give a less weird answer. Um, so I've, I'll say Taichi. My can I have two favorites? I can do it. Yeah, it's kind of like picking Ryu when you're playing Street Fighter. But okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm aware of that. Yeah. But um, I just like. Uh, him as a character who has this uh, big ambition and needs to plan to get it so it's kind of like myself in a way of having this sort of big picture thing and needing to work out the details I realised while writing this character that uh, Taishi's going to be someone who's not in on all the details which is kind of like myself which might have been uh, brought up in a few discussions with Lara Lee Um, but yeah so I'm just going to or exercise my demons through Taishi. So I say on that reason, but also in writing this particular story, uh, I quite like what uh, I can do with Tancho because Tancho is almost like the kind of a bit of a wisecracker, um, wisecracking character. Some of the, the a lot of the comic relief will kind of probably go through him, mm. uh, and I quite like having that balance in terms of a story that has a. Uh, there's like a serious goal in there and having that balanced out by a lot of what uh, Tanjiro does I'm not going to say exactly what he does in the story but yeah I feel like he'd be my second favourite character yeah Tanjiro's yeah. just great man. yeah it's just, just cool and there was a moment where we were trying to work out what to do with his glasses so Tanjiro is a crane and he wears this um, his pair of dark glasses and white suit and just a bit of trivia so 
we have a friend called uh, Jabril, and uh, wow, about a decade ago now, we went to uh, the States, so me and him went to, um, went to New York and then went to Vegas as well, and before we went, I don't know if you guys know this, but he brought uh, an all-white linen suit. Chuck. <laughs> so he, he never actually wore it, but he bought this all-white linen suit. I can see him in that, just floating. Yeah. He, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't walk, just he floats. Just floats, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is a floaty character. Um, so that was funny to me. Just, that's just objectively funny. Um, <laughs> I thought that would make a good character, a character who is so sort of in almost like a narcissist not to say jazz is a narcissist but <laughs> that's the impression I got uh, just from that scene. so I thought I could work that into a character uh, so I like the and this will come out sort of in future volumes with Tancho where he has this surface level narcissism but there's kind of a, a deeper meaning to it in terms of him as a character and why he's like that and why he always keeps on his, uh, his sunglasses so yeah Interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess like what what have you learned from from making this volume? Yeah, what have we what have we learned? I think it's a good idea to to chat about it. Yeah, I was about to say story lab coming into kind of Yeah. I think yeah. it's very useful to kind of see the development of the story and kind of bounce ideas off each other um, yeah and also just to let Nigel know like what do we think when we kind of read through the outline like and what things were we expecting to see and having discussion points outside of the story like the flashback stuff and mm. um, I think it's been very beneficial because we didn't have it for say like Samurai Chef and that kind yeah, of yeah I just went off um, <laughs> <laughs> and this kind of gives it a kind of cohesion that is helpful like I love Samurai Chef but I feel like this has added an extra level of I don't know depth maybe okay yeah I mean so I guess yeah, what we've done we've started this uh call it story lab where before we start even writing uh, the story and certainly before we start drawing I say we Penali I don't draw um, we just discuss the story we just talk about the story so here is the overview of the story here's the direction what do you think and I think that just allows you to make changes one before you start sort of writing and drawing because that's when it gets expensive in terms of time uh, and money to make changes um, but two before you get too wedded to ideas uh, and there's a thing when you're creating stories where you put something out and you'll, you'll, that's like your thing that's your story so it becomes very hard to change it if someone gives like a, an opposing view um, I still get that now even but when it's just an idea or notes on the page it's easy to change it it's like okay I'm not so married to this I can change it as we can swap see out. I think that's, that's the benefit so especially I'm not a story writer um, these two are but I feel like when you've got a good story you have the universe in your head so these guys will have the universe in their head and they'll know everything about the character they'll know what the character was doing last week that'll never appear in the comic book but it will feed into something that the character does in the manga so then 
I feel like my job is to make sure that they know what the character's doing in their head, but they pull all the necessary elements out of their head and into the book because they'll know someone's motivation for doing this, this and this. But hold on, does the audience know enough? Does the viewer know? The viewer, sorry. The reader. I read your TV, so usually it's the viewer. So does the reader know? But, um, yeah, I find that's my role instead of kind of coming up with storyline ideas is to kind of ground it and make sure that it makes sense all the time. She's the voice of the people. (laughs) (laughs) That's very useful, like, just so important to have, because like you said, universe is up in their heads, and if we don't know, then how will we know? (laughs) It's it's an easy mistake to make, because when it's in your head, you're just oh yeah, obviously. Even when you're talking about uh, Tai Chi's dad, the character, and what's going to happen... It just occurs to me, oh yeah, you don't know what <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Oh, hey, yeah, you don't know all that stuff that's, that's going to happen or it's going to uh, come out in the story. So yeah, it's like you just, you lose awareness of that because you just have sort of like perfect understanding yeah. but then your job is to get that out or enough of it or the right things so that other people reading it can understand enough for the story. And obviously at being a manner, uh, a lot of things are sort of it's not just what you read, it's also what you see. So how is that process like getting, like describing what you need to the artist and how do you work together? Um, yes. How does it go from sort of like your head and then page and then through to editing? Yeah, it's kind of, it's a, I think we've got a good process down where once we talk about stories, then I'll put together an outline document and that's kind of breaking everything down into chapters so even though there's no chapters in the in the book itself it just allows me to break down the different parts uh, and then I'll do another document which is the script so those two things are kind of the the story so here's the story here's the outline here's the characters here's what they look like here's what they sort of dress like here's what they, they're doing here's their sort of aim in this chapter so to speak and then the script is just like dialogue and linking the two together so that will go to the artist and um, what I quite like about this is then that part is essentially me telling the story to her she then takes that interprets it does page sketches and then she tells the story back so it's this nice moment where I'm reading the story again like for a second time uh, and what it does is it then so like in making this book I think there's been a lot of pages where I've gone through and go, oh, I actually have to change like how they speak just because of the way she's put made a character action. I mean, it might mean I've done a certain number of lines and actually I don't need that number of lines because of the way she's drawn the character. It's obvious. You don't need to explain it all out. You just like shorten the line and it still makes sense. Uh, and it's just funny, just funny to see like some of the stuff like you write and it's like come back like, okay that's, it's almost like someone else has written a story I'm reading their story mm. okay it's pretty good but let me change this bit uh, here I guess it gives you a chance as well to sort of um, figure out if you're telling the story how it should be read if that makes sense because when you mm-hmm. get it back in in now an image form it's like has she understood what I'm putting across yeah yeah and is so it is that coming back to me? Because obviously then if it's not coming back to you how it was intended, then it's... Yeah. 
I think we're lucky in a sense we have a good artist just in terms of the quality of the work but also the understanding so she understands the characters and she'll kind of you'll, she'll know like sort of where to put them or how to make them uh, how to position them in a, in a panel so there's not so much like, I don't feel we've ever gone through something where it's like that's completely wrong I didn't say that at <laughs> all um, I think it's more like oh I didn't say exactly like that but that works for that character for that uh, for that moment so I think it only works if you have a good artist and a good relationship with the artist so because yeah. this, we've always worked with her I don't know another world <laughs> outside, <laughs> outside so I don't know it might be I've done a few like not comics but like just um, single pieces of art with some other artists and wow <laughs> they, they can go away and just come back with just I guess if you're trying to make a breakfast just like scrambled eggs it's just a mess like what what the hell is this Um, but uh, yeah I think some artists do kind of get it and some don't some need loads of direction I think Um, and I don't know if that's such a bad thing because people just aren't in your head Um, but I think the the happy medium is where you don't have to give so much direction that you're having to go back and revise and revise and revise they're still not getting it I actually worked with some people earlier this year and I literally list out what I wanted them to change. This was just for like some like pet projects I wanted to do. And every revision, they would either do what I said, but then completely change something that was completely fine. Oh, right. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Okay, you gave me what I want, but then you took away what I I just didn't want you to change. And it's like ah. And we went through this again and again and again until eventually I had to come up with like loads of reference images and almost specify every last thing. So yeah, I think the relationship we have with Penali is really, really good. Um, I don't know how often it happens for comics for like people out there, but yeah, she's she's really switched on. She gets it. Nice. Um. Yeah, I think that's pretty much my questions. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, go get it. When it's done, it's not done yet. We're, so we're, we are working through edits mostly. And then basically we have a process where we do the sketch pages and then that allows us to make edits without spending too or without Penale spending too much time redoing things. Uh, so I think we're like page up to page 90 or something in terms of like finishing pages. Um, and then it'll be, it'll be done. So... Yeah, it will be available on our website and at future comic conventions. So please find us. We've got so in this like series of uh, comic conventions, I've met a lot of people. Like, when's the next book or Kickstarter back? Is it like is it ready yet? Like, ah, no, it's not just yet. So I'm hoping next year to meet those same people and be able to say yes, our new comic, uh, our new manga is finally done. I have a question. Um, I should probably already know the, the answer to this, but hey, I'm going to ask anyway for the benefit of the viewers. Um, Listeners? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> really into this TV thing. Um, so, for the benefit of the listeners, uh, are there going to be any custom characters in this and will they have any speaking parts? Okay, yeah, you definitely know the answer to this, uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, So, yeah, we have, in, uh, I realise in every, basically every volume, every story we've done, 
there is at least one person we've turned into a character or a pet. And in this one, we have quite a few. The one I will uh, shout out is uh, the character Cyril. So if you're, as you read it, um, you'll see a, a raccoon Cyril who owns a restaurant slash bar uh, in the story. And it's quite, it's like a struggling um, uh, venture. But Cyril is a character, is a real person I met when I went to, uh, what's the thing called? Japan Expo in France in uh, 2015. So I met him, it's, so it's a four day convention. I don't know why I'm holding up five fingers, but um, <laughs> it's a four day convention. I met him on the, I think the first or second day and I'd done my best to learn French, but I was struggling. Um, but he was one of the, uh, one of few French people that spoke enough English that we could have a conversation. So we just, I was just talking, was, I told him about the brand, about our stuff, and he just became like a super fan. Like he came, he bought a bunch of stuff that day. I think he came back the next day, bought some stuff for his sister. He came back on the last day, bought a friend, his friend bought like a hat or something like that. Um, and yeah, just a really nice, nice guy. And then after the convention, I think he won we did a competition yeah, think, to be yeah. turned turn into a character. So no, he won. He didn't he? Oh, I can't remember because I was there for that convention, wasn't I? Yes. So. Did you? You met him because you. Were yeah, I, met, I was yeah, there yeah. at the convention because it was you and I and a French speaker. It yes. So yes, we did a competition from the Samurai Chef Collector's Edition where I stamped a number of it, copies, and he got a stamp copy. Yeah. So he sent a photo of himself. With, I remember uh, the photo. That's yeah, it. and then that was just. I'm too fair. At that point, I would have just made him a character anyway. But, <laughs> um, he, yeah. So he won that competition, and we made him a character. So I actually wrote him into the story, uh, and he's yeah got like a speaking part. So we've got different levels. There are people who are just like cameo appearances, and for the Kickstarter, we've turned two people into characters who have like um, brief speaking um, parts in the story. Uh, so yeah, something I want to do more, definitely for each uh, each story, but find a way to do more of that, more of that kind of engagement and get more people into our stories. So I think it's a cool thing, uh, cool thing to do. Does that answer your question? It, it really does. Did, did you learn something? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did, and um, I thought it was a really good way to kind of plug it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so if you are someone who has read our stories, especially if you've read Hot Lunch, please do let us know what you think. The address is feedback at mymanner.com. Definitely uh, love to hear what you think of the new story. Even uh, if you just think Bruce is hot like me. I'm going to get polar. If you are someone who thinks Bruce is especially hot, we'll create a dedicated email line for you. <laughs> Uh, to deal with those it's because it's me it's because I was on Patreon I'm like I'm my calendar <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll sort you out for the rest of you feedback at mymanner.com uh, so we're going to off the back of talking about hot lunch we're going to go into a bit of story advice in our next segment so as I was making the story and particularly as I was reading it, uh, I tend to have this pattern. I think it's true for a lot of maybe creatives. They create something and then they don't like it. Um, so as I'm reading it, and it's why I don't read like the, the manga when it's done because I just like poke holes in it. Uh, unfortunately, I got there 
quite early. So I noticed something in hot lunch. It's not really a problem, but it's just something I learned uh, along the way that I'll keep in mind for future stories. And it's this idea of um, needing to be mean to your characters, uh, so avoiding being too nice to them. And it's a trap I've seen, and I've I kind of done my best to avoid it in, in writing this story, but I feel I could have done better. Basically, I'm saying I was too nice to the characters in this story. Is there any characters in particular that you were too nice to? All of them. All of them. Yeah, yeah, I feel all of them could have suffered more. (laughs) (laughs) So, and yeah, when you write a story, especially it's like your character, if if you put something of yourself in the character, you kind of don't want to see them suffer. So you avoid putting them in situations where they could, you know, that would cause them distress. And the problem with that is it it makes for a story with no stakes uh, and no conflict. Uh, so, yeah, that's something I, that came to me while I was writing Hot Lunch is, am I being too nice to these characters? Uh, I feel like the answer might be yes, but I guess people will let me know once they've read it. Mm-hmm. So, what I wanted to bring out is, just to make the point about conflict being key to your narrative and conflict that escalates as well. So, the other thing that made me think about this is a story I was reading while writing and um, editing Hot Lunch, which is called The Lives of Locke Lamora, and it's another sort of high story uh, setting this this alternate uh, sort of olden day universe. But without going too much into that story, what stood out to me while reading it is the character suffers a lot. So the the main character, um, Locke Lamora, is kind of, you know, a, a trickster, he pulls off heists and uh, he gets himself into trouble. But he he see he gets into a situation where he's like basically beaten within an inch of his life like multiple times, and he really suffers. And what I found is that I'm, you're kind of as a reader you're pulled into that with the character and you feel something for the character. And as a writer, you might not want to see your character go through that, but that makes for an engaging story. So what you want to keep in mind is that when you're writing your story and your character's going after whatever goal they might be uh, going after, is for every action they take, try and think about what's the worst thing that can happen as a response, either from another character or the, the environment around them, and then think of something worse and <laughs> kind of go with that. So it's about putting your characters in basically terrible situations in response to the thing they're going after. So as well as... Uh, this particular book I was reading I also came across the example of have you all seen Django Unchained? Mm-hmm. so no. you have okay I'll try I might spoil it a bit for you no, that's fine okay alright so you have uh, the character Django trying to sort of get his is it his wife? Um, Brumilda if you I can't remember I'm on my own in this so <laughs> Uh, so Jamie Foxx, uh, Django, is on this mission. He's sort of been freed from slavery, but he needs to go back to get his wife. And at the midpoint, he, he he's with her, and you think it's the moment where everything's gone right. But then um, the side character, uh, played by Christoph Waltz, I can't remember the actual character's name, uh, is killed, Soy Lau. And then, and everyone else that hasn't yeah, seen it, yeah, and everyone else that hasn't seen it, um, and 
uh, Django goes back into slavery and he basically is so far away from his goal so he has to go through that all again and it's basically his, his character suffers so it's just that thinking of like how can you put your characters into situations where they will suffer um, and yeah you just want to you do that because you want to make like your your character come out if that makes sense so you only learn about your characters in the decisions they make during the story uh, so it doesn't have to be necessarily life threatening it's just in the context of their goal how can they suffer mm-hmm. so uh, that's something I thought about while editing Hot Lunch and something I'll think about for sort of future stories how do we make our characters suffer more that sounds kind of dark but uh, it'll make for a better story I'm sure see even if you make them suffer how easy is it going to be for you to continue the suffering because like I I think I mentioned it twice already in this podcast that I like when things don't always just yes have a happy ending or like become perfect I I feel like that's so unrealistic in life that it should be reflected in more of our stories but I guess from what you're saying it's when you're forming a character and you're forming a relationship with that character yeah it's hard yeah, to not to have them come good I guess it, it depends ultimately what kind of story you're making if your story ultimately has a happy ending you still have to go through that suffering but then yeah you'll get to a happy place mm-hmm. but then you have the stories where your character might achieve a goal but they've, they've lost something or something's changed about them that they can't get back yeah I think there's depth in those stories so Valley of the Dolls that I was saying we were talking about earlier they all in some way achieve one of their goals they have more than one they all in some way achieve something but they don't end up getting another thing yeah so you can't have everything yeah and at the end and at the end of the book you feel like when you're reading along you kind of I feel like it sets people up for you you read a book and you feel like at the end everything's going to come good and you're reading this book and you feel like okay they've gone to some really really bad lows how are they going to fix themselves how how are they going to bring themselves out of this stuff and it just really teaches you that sometimes you don't get out of that stuff and it's not it's not a depressing book but it's kind of like oh didn't see that coming in the way I didn't see it coming because Mm. I I thought everything was going to all come together at the end what I think is quite special about My Murder because it is a universe that is a all the different stories of TV shows right that's the idea um, so I'm of the complete opposite <laughs> I want stories I read and watch to have the most happily ever <laughs> because I think I see so many unhappy things happen in the real world yeah. that I need that to keep me going and that's why I consume yeah. fiction over things that are based on real stories yeah and, I get that and like yeah so but I think the, the magic is that they can ha- you can have a bit of both in the mind matter mm. universe okay so it. depends like which story is going to go I feel like it would be really beneficial to have a slightly darker yeah I tell you what the the next story 11th hour 
there's going to be min- minimal jokes in there. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to go through some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like everything I've kind of learned from Hotline, she's going to go into making these characters suffer in Battle. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, so you might want to skip that one. <laughs> I would probably still. I mean, it's part of a whole universe. So yeah, I'm yeah, just like it's one small thing that I can do with that. It's the suffering in, <laughs> in the universe. I think the whole thing, like the way I brought that down, is it's about tension and resolution in stories, and it's a bit like elastic an elastic band. So with an elastic band, if you stretch it, it'll return to a form that kind of looks like but you stretch it too far and it might not be exactly the same but it has resolved if that makes sense and I think some stories are a bit like that where they kind of come back to where they started but a few things are not quite the same Mm. if that makes sense maybe they've grown um, you know maybe they've lost something but they've gained something greater you know it's that kind of thing that yeah makes a story acceptable Realistic, yeah, um, and at the same time uh, satisfying. Okay, so yeah, I mean, let us know if you're also a storyteller, uh, if you think you've been too nice to your characters, and how you've made your characters suffer. Um, Yeah, it'd be interesting to find out what what people have done and what kind of situations they put their characters through. So we're now going to talk about stories of the year or our stories of the year some of our favourites some of our not so favourites uh, because it's still, this is our last episode of uh, the decade I'm just going to keep pushing that decade narrative uh, for people <laughs> listening just so they can see or hear and feel the gravity of what we're about to go into a whole new decade the 20s the 20s yeah the boring 20s we're back <laughs> it always comes back. Um, so yeah, uh, and obviously we started this podcast uh, this year. We've covered a few uh, stories. We've talked about some. Uh, we've seen sort of others as well. And I just thought it'd be good to recap kind of what we felt was some of the best films stories because these are all films. Aren't they? they all happen to be films. They all happen to be films. <laughs> we're kind of keeping a, a tight. Yeah, well. we're keeping a tight kind of uh, selection process here so we're going to be focused on films but maybe we can open it out uh, next year will be better yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, so we've got a few categories and we've done some voting there's been some kind of democracy happening uh, here Um, and we're just going to recap our best story best protagonist and best antagonist so like Tazzy said, this is new, so we don't know what's going to happen <laughs> from this point. But we've all voted along these categories, and I think, Tazzy, if you give us the nominees and yeah. then announce the winner, which ones would you guys like to start with? Should we just like go straight from story, protagonist, antagonist? Since story be the last one, I feel like... I'll That's... go through it, okay. how I've got it. Alright, cool. So we had we had a sh- a long shortlist and we've shortlist our shortlist. We got a short shortlist. Yeah, because we realised that only like one or two of us had seen certain films. So this is a short shortlist. Um, and it isn't just the films that come out this year, though saying that most of them did. Um, 
but it is just stories we spoke about in the podcast um, over this year. So, and they're all up for all the categories, just so you know. Uh, so first up, we have Endgame, we have Spider-Man 2, Toy Story 4, Edge of Tomorrow, Joker, and Captain Marvel. Uh, so they are all the nom- nominees for all the categories. So I'm going to start off with... I feel like I might have written all of this down wrong as well. We're <laughs> <laughs> about to have like a movie like <laughs> so it's okay. No. Okay. Yeah, I've read this. Okay, we're going for best protagonist first. Um, so this is the only one that has a first, second, and third because everyone just can't quite agree on everything. <laughs> this is the only category that had like quite clear um, voters. So, Joker is in first place. I should have done this in reverse, shouldn't I? Yep. Go back, go back, go back. Okay, so we're going for best protagonist, and in third place is Captain Marvel. Okay. What? I'll let that sink in. Yeah, what? I'll digest that. We Record can discuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can discuss everything. And how how 50% of the room not happy oh. about it? <laughs> <laughs> um, then next, unless I've like read it or did it wrong, I think it could be hilarious. Next, uh, in second place, is Endgame. Best protagonist. Protagonist. So all of them. Um, so it was like, I'm pretty sure it was Oh, like Iron Man and Captain America. I'm pretty sure it was just all of the protagonists of Endgame. So I'm going to go with Tony Stark because he was the one that was mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, And then first place is the Joker. Um, so that was literally the like unanimous someone everyone, I think everyone put Joker in in some position yeah um, that was easy it was like oh, okay so here's um, a question yeah I guess everyone bought it in some way but is it the performance of Racking Phoenix or the character of the Joker both for me both okay. yes but if we're talking about protagonist protagonist yeah. the protagonist is yeah. the Joker yeah, yeah. I, guess so. I was thinking a lot about the performance yeah. as well. So I think, for me, it was the the fact that we normally, the Joker's normally an antagonist, like, and then this, like, just flipped everything over, and the Joker was used as the protagonist in this. Um, I think it was done well, because I've had a lot of discussions on people sympathising with the Joker... Yeah, we had that discussion and, in the last episode. And it's very much like drawing lines. It's like, is the Joker good? Or, like, why have they painted him in this good light? But, and all these discussions around it and whether you see the Joker is good or bad in this. Uh, whatever your opinions. It just brought up all those opinions, which is why I think it's made such a good 
protagonist there. Cool. Alright, what have we got next? So next up is the best antagonist. Um, so joint second place, because there's no third place here, uh, is Thanos and Mysterio. No. So obviously Thanos no. from Endgame and Mysterio from Spider-Man. Oh. Ah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a bit like... To be fair, this is one of the ones that not everyone's seen. So I haven't seen Spider-Man, obviously, so yeah. I could not have voted on that there. So maybe it would have been different if I'd seen the film. Mm. I can see like Laura Lee. I just want to know. Okay, right. Maybe the best race in the world. Oh, that's deep. This is a farce. That's it. <laughs> nah, I'm not, I'm not happy with that. Well, we all voted for it. How does, how, this, this is like... I don't know. I'm very... Cast the post, but... Yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> no one seems happy with it. This is possible? Can I just say, I feel like... After this show, like, <laughs> the country is going to, just going to revert to some anti-democracy. <laughs> and this is going to be used as evidence that democracy doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because <laughs> so we're all, like, so confused. <laughs> no, I don't know how everyone... Obviously, because there's only four of us. I, mean, I have to so... go with the... Which... In each category, like, what was put into everyone's answers... So what got a count? Like, if you put it on one, two, or three, it just got counted as a vote. And so, three people. Fair so, why is all the Why are you so surprised? So, you three are to blame for this. So, you three. Let me, I will take this one. This is how Morris got into this. This is how Trump got into I'm going to, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand by my vote because Gotham was responsible for the Joker and you can't get more antagonistic than driving a man to insanity. There you go. Yeah. Also, I felt like it's the only one where not a being of some sort is the entire. Oh, is it not? Physical? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you have those... Um, so I guess on that, that idea of putting your characters through suffering uh, and conflict, you have that situation with Gotham where there's not just one antagonist. It's not a protagonist versus antagonist. You have a protagonist versus an entire... I guess Gotham's like an environment, so the whole environment uh, in terms of, I guess, because it featured a lot about sort of the mental health services or lack thereof in Gotham, uh, his his work, his job, um, and then sort of, uh, I was going to say Bruce Wayne, uh, Thomas Wayne, that is Thomas Wayne? Or yeah. I just made up. Thomas and Martha Wayne, yeah. sounds about right. Yeah, and he sort of represented that upper class and... In Gotham, we had the idea of the whole tension between the upper class and the lower classes. So, yeah, I'm going to stand by Gotham. Well deserved. Okay, no one's backing you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm happy. Uh, Gotham's okay. there. That's going to um, move on. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is Gotham. I feel like I just want to get Laurie's opinion because she's the most disappointed about this one. It's like, how, is Thanos, how did Thanos lose? Oh, we Thanos had a whole big discussion before this. <laughs> before this, so I can I can get that right. Let's just move on because we don't want to get lost in a Thanos wormhole. Um, <laughs> so 
the final category that we're voting on is best story. And again, this is a joint second place because no one can bloody agree on anything. Um, Edge of Tomorrow and Spider-Man. Okay. Mm, all right. Which is fair enough. Yeah. I feel like this is going to fix everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Look right in on this one. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> we have a joint first place. This is really democracy. This is how the sausage is made. Right here. <laughs> um, and so I, a coalition of stories mm, right here. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to do like uh, the order I tell them will be like the order of like them in first, like how high up people voted. Them. Okay. So we're going to go for the lower of the first place. Isn't that technically second then? Yeah, just yeah. yeah, yeah I've just thought... The Nick Clegg of uh, the joint story winning yeah. competition. Okay. Yeah, the second. So place. this is the, the... Yeah, this one. I guess this one defaulted to second place and the other two are in third place because of the rankings yeah. of the vote. Um, which is Joker... Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, now I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> Were you so confused? Yeah, the joke getting the first two. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't like Gotham. I didn't like Gotham because of Thanos, but he deserved. <laughs> the people are spoken. He deserved. The, the he deserved the protagonist. Okay, okay. yeah. Okay, so, so, watch now. Figure it out. First. Uh, place in best story was Endgame. Endgame. I'm fine with it. <laughs> to be fair, before we started this podcast, I think I already got Endgame mixed up. I'm like, just like gets all of the medals and all of the trophies so yeah. so the teachers are kind of like okay let's see who else we can you know give a, a medal for oh you yeah for effort yeah. <laughs> you, you smile well <laughs> I think sometimes um, one kid just deserves all the trophies yeah really. yeah. Endgame definitely really? deserves a story well I say it deserves all the trophies okay, oh, so got one it got one and Joker got two I'm actually happy so opened up a little question on time travels and timelines time travel and timelines um, to the point where earlier we were having this discussion about Thanos and um, I think we came to the conclusion that there's two versions of Thanos in Endgame uh, one of them saw that their actions were not all good and that they I think I just made this up but that they, <laughs> but they sort of like understood that their actions were bad and that they should have some sort of punishment from that um, mm-hmm. and they probably would have accepted a punishment and I feel like they got an unfair punishment um, and then we have the Thanos we meet that is sort of dealt with at the end who is like just a purely evil Thanos mm. that did not change at any point I feel like he could became more evil mm. yeah. yeah but I think in terms of best story for me what Endgame did 
in terms of like the whole decade of Marvel films is something that like when you think of it kind of shouldn't have worked or shouldn't have worked nearly as well as it did but it did mm-hmm. uh, and that's just a, a crazy sort of achievement like whatever you think of you know they're not all perfect films by any stretch but just the idea of tying together this universe and then bringing that to, um, together into one film and pretty much like sticking the landing because um, mm-hmm. for me that was in terms of like cinematic experience like I just I felt some stuff basically watching that film I watched that like emotions yeah some some stuff was going on <laughs> in there yeah um, <laughs> something was going on uh, no like there was there's so many um, things that just had you reacting like when Captain America uh, got uh, hold of Mjolnir and I was like what is going on and I have no idea what's going on and you just like pulled in I watched it with my cousin in the US uh, by the end she was crying um, so there were definitely emotions happening there around you <laughs> yeah, 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 around me and this whole like I was in um, I saw it quite early uh, after its release I think the day after so I was in a in a packed cinema in the US with just everyone reacting I think just as a as a cinema going experience as one of the best experiences I've had uh, in a cinema so that along with kind of putting together this decade long shared universe of stories in film is just an amazing achievement so yay for democracy <laughs> I feel like Endgame kind of cheats for best story because it is the end of a much bigger story mm. so we've all got these ideas in our heads of, of for Endgame uh, being a good story because of everything that was built on mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of like the end of a a longer story yeah um, so maybe we voted on it in terms of its... Do you know what, yeah... Whether that's a conscious or a, or a subconscious decision. I think it's like a really good point. That's a really good point. Like, I thought about it and I was like, if I'm being honest, I'm only really voting for Endgame because of these big moments that happened. Mm. But was the story actually good? So, like, I did think about it and I think it is still quite a good story. Um... It's, it's very simple to yeah. be honest like if we boil it all the way down um, they defeated Thanos then he came back and fought them I think it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it does have it it does ride on its own merits as a good story like we have the whole like um, like Tony Stark's journey in that uh, rest in peace Mm. <laughs> uh, we have we have Captain America trying to like keep everyone positive and we have like wills tested and we see four at his lowest yeah yeah. we see and his greatest at, at the same time at, yeah <laughs> at, his, at his toxic mm-hmm. <laughs> Toxic gamer, <laughs> um, but yeah, we see see all these characters, and and if you uh, take it for its merits on its own story, we see all their different journeys. So, did you think it was better than the first? Oh, I think oh, Infinity, Infinity War, War might have actually been better. I think well, Infinity yeah. War was the better better story. So do I. Yeah, I think it was better because Thanos gets killed so early and. 
<laughs> and it was low. I did like that. Okay, so then it 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 kind of like goes up. Where is this story going? Yeah. Like how? And I was not really ready for the way that Thanos was. Yeah, I really like the, the way they did that. I like that. Yeah, because they you had all these expectations of what would happen, and they made a decision not to show too much in the trailer. So when that moment happened and they killed off Thanos, you're you have no idea what's going on. Mm. So you can't. You haven't seen it in the trailer. You don't know what's going on. All your assumptions are out the window. Mm, yeah. So now you have to pay attention. Now you yeah, have to get yeah. the story. Mm. I like that they made that decision. I want to throw something in as well. Um, I like what they did with the character Nebula throughout the whole mm. cinematic universe. Because I, I love Nebula. I didn't like Nebula at first. And by I, the end, I was like, I really like Nebula. Mm, <laughs> but I like Nebula not just because of the cinematic universe, but also because of the Telltale game. Bring the Telltale game. Yeah. Oh, it's not that great, actually. Out of the Telltale games, Guardians of the Galaxy, it's a good one, but... Oh, God, you know... I really like Gamora yeah. in the cinematic universe. The Telltale game made me hate her. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's just irritating and annoying. I was like, is this what she's like in the films? Am I just like rose tinted glasses to like how like cool is like a female character she's all strong and fast and fierce like is she this annoying but I've just not seen that because in the in the Telltale game you lose how like her badassery because it's more of a slow paced game there's not fighting in it yeah because it's a Telltale game it's telling the story Uh, but yeah but then like yeah, Nebula in it, great. Mm. She, you, you start to feel like compassion for her in that because you get to know more of their backstory, um, mm. and there's a, there's like a really good like sisterly love connection in there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I feel like <coughs> that's why I like her so much. Cool. Okay. Like that brought everyone to my level of liking her in Endgame. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now you see. <laughs> Look at that again now. Um, all right, so we've uh, we've done the democracy part of this of this segment. Now we're just going to get into the unilateral decision making part, where uh, I figured we can touch on a few categories and just each go around and just give our picks and just say what we feel um, is that. So I've got three uh, categories here, and I want to start with what you think. If we just go around, is the worst story that you've seen this year. Daybreak. I, I, daybreak. Okay, daybreak. That's not, not what I'm voting for. Oh. No, this isn't a vote. This is just uh, your decision. Is, that's a hard one. Yeah, I feel like I should have pre. I should have thought about this before. Okay. There was definitely one I hated. Oh, can I say Game of Thrones? Ooh. Yes, you can. I think I've not watched Game, it. Definitely Game of Thrones. Specifically, so season, so the last season. Was, yeah, just, just yeah, the last that's season. The last season. Wow. Okay. I'm so. Like condolences. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll take those condolences. Okay. Give us a reason. <laughs> give us a reason why, even though I already know. It was Where just going. This from the beginning. It was spoiler alert. So I won't even spoil it. They spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> It was so gripping. You didn't know what was going to happen. The stories are great. The characters were great. And I just feel like, simply, 
the last season was just it just went splat I often <laughs> in 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 um, series I feel like there's always a weak link um, season and I usually say like I, I imagine all the writers in a room and I usually say oh it's pizza day where they just like, thought yeah can't be asked with this who wants to order a pizza yeah that's fine right. <laughs> and then the whole allocated time to write the story has gone and they say we need to write the story what should we do and then just write a little bit of whatever they can think of yeah that'll do and then they leave belly's full of pizza don't care about the story I feel like the whole of this Game of Thrones was pizza day in the writing room it was horrible I just, I'm so disappointed and it, but I, I've been looking for we have been built up that story has been built up for so long I just oh 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 I haven't watched Game of Thrones I watched like what the first two episodes and that's just not for me uh, it's too dark I don't like that much drama I avoid drama in every thing pretty much um but like and I read part I've read the first book uh but my sort of cons- consumption of Game of Thrones is Twitter mm. um, and I think it's all I need <laughs> <laughs> So it's like Game of Thrones is like I'm gonna have to I forget that you guys can't see me you're just hearing me but it just goes like up 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 on this scale and it just was going up and up and up and then it's like final season of Game of Thrones oh my god everyone was like super excited so and there's so much energy so and it was just excited. Twitter literally was just like from the first season it was like duh, 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 duh. oh then no one really liked it and then it just went. Yep. On the last episode, I and, other things, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Twitter was just disappointed, and oh. I'm really sorry because really I I did laugh because I never read it, so I was like, <laughs> <laughs> all this build up, you fell in love with this show, and it's just for it to for it to just end <laughs> so terribly, so. Terribly. So is it one of those ones where they could literally go back and rewrite it? They should go back and rewrite it. They should it. just scrap it. I feel like everyone would forget it existed if they came out. Yeah. They could do it as like a film finale, I feel like. I would be happy with that. Anything. Mm. Anything. Maybe it's just one of those situations you just have to remember the good times. <laughs> just remember the good times. I feel like just in, in like film and TV, the middle part of anything can be bad. And yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure there was like a study on this. That as long as the beginning and the ending is good, mm. good. it doesn't matter that much what yeah. goes on in the middle. Yeah, there's always a weak link in the middle yeah. of, a, of a good. But to have that at the end series. of your great Horrible series, series that everyone loved, I think it, it's like the most loved and talked about series mm. I've ever like seen. And for it to end that way was just. Like if they'd done that in the middle, then it would have got people talking about it more, yeah. and, and then you they could have just, like come up yeah, on that yeah. and then thought... ended on a high note, and everyone would have been like, "We love this." But I feel like they're like, "We've got, we've got it now. Like we've mm. got the money." Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like that. We're gonna get our money. It's yeah. done. Everyone's still gonna love Game of Thrones. We've got our things to do. We've got pizza yeah. to order. Yeah. Like, we're out. Coffee to drink. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I might have to change my my pick. Mm. I didn't want to do that to Game of Thrones, but no, I, I, my original pick for worst story was uh, Hellboy, and for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it's a terrible film. 
Um, and two, I paid for it. So, <laughs> so I have, um, I've got a silly world card, um, you know, so I'm, I'm in this mindset of I'm not really paying for films. Yeah. So when I was in, actually this was before I saw Endgame in, when I was in California, I thought, you know, it's nice day. I'll go out um, and see a film. And sit inside. And sit inside. Well, <laughs> Lovely I, day. I've, so let me go. Inside. I've been out for enough. And I need a break from the sunshine. Um, but yeah, so I thought I'd go and see Hellboy because the first iteration of it uh, was pretty good and I hadn't checked any reviews. So I paid uh, $11 to go and see that. And there's been a, a couple times where I've almost wanted to walk out of a theatre and this is one of them. The other wow. one was Spider-Man 3. And Hellboy... It's just a, it's an absolute mess of a film, and I feel it should be noted as a terrible. I mean, all the people that worked with it, I'm sure, are nice people, but deep down, they'll know, they'll know they 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 did wrong. <laughs> it's, it's a bad film. It's um, and there's a couple of things in it where you have that. I talked earlier about exposition. There's a lot of exposition in this film. Just just characters explaining things or um, narration, just just information dumping on you. And it also does that annoying thing of having the uh, passive protagonist where the protagonist doesn't actively go after a goal, just reacting to things that are happening around him. And it's quite late in the film where he decides I'm going to go after something. So, yeah, I think that was just a disappointing waste of money. So I just wanted to get that out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Lau, any picks for worst film or worst story? So, I'm pretty sure there is one, but... It was so bad that I can't recall it. <laughs> That's pretty much how it works for me. Okay. So, yeah. um, so it has to be Dark Phoenix. I haven't actually seen it. <laughs> I, I have. But I, I won't was, necessarily disagree with you. And I was looking forward to seeing it. But unfortunately, every report that came back was saying, if you watch this film, you will regret it. And <laughs> I was actually following that particular X-Men uh, series of films with kind of like the kind of old crew like set in the past and whatnot. Yeah. So I was really looking forward to it, and yeah, yeah, that was that was bad. So basically, just by virtue of the fact I couldn't watch it, it's the worst film. <laughs> Fair enough for me, at least. Tazzy, I can't pick one. Well, I don't just admit. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't have so any rubbish. <laughs> no, no, it's not that. It's like I think, like that. Oh, there's. I, if it weren't good, I'd probably don't remember it. Um, I'd need someone to remind me of a film, and then we go, "Oh yeah, that was terrible." Mm. Um, and I've not been reminded of one. Okay. That well, we'll just say. put it in the record as Hellboy. So Game of Thrones. Yeah. I'm gonna go Game of Thrones. <laughs> because it was, yeah, it was just a disappointment of rap. I mean, even I was a bit upset that like, <laughs> there wasn't like some dramatic like debate. Or, like it wasn't just like some big ending and everyone was hyped. Everyone I mean, the really, glee. Really there was out. also the glee of everybody who had not seen Game of Thrones. I was happy days. It was just <laughs> like, ha-ha, yeah, I was happy. Like, yeah. I was like, ha it was downfall. <laughs> also, for me, take away the fun from them. Like, was something I was gonna come back and watch. Maybe in like another decade's time when no one really cares about it anymore, which I thought was going to happen a lot sooner. Yeah, <laughs> um, and 
and then I was going to watch all of it when the hype is down the line and I can just have like my own joy and my own opinion of it without everyone being like um, <laughs> and now I'm like well I'm not going to waste my time because it ends well that's yeah. really a shame because a shame, one to but what was end season was season seven uh, eight eight Think, Maybe if they do like a movie version. So one to out. six. If there's eight, one to six, or if there's seven, one to five. Because I, I don't feel like was peak Game of Thrones. I don't feel like the penultimate season was that good either. No, that's when the the decline started. But it was, <laughs> exactly. it was, it was so high that it was alright, cool. Yeah, so <laughs> like you're allowed to say exactly. But the beginning of Game of Thrones it was so good yeah. it was just a really just one of the best I have seen and then for it to just die like that maybe when I'm at a point where like there's just no drama around me yeah, so like, I don't need to I don't need to like I have like a void of drama that yeah. can be filled by the moment like that. <laughs> there's enough of what drama dodging I've got to do this is why one of the best things I think this is why one of the best things that can happen to any show is it gets cancelled in the middle yeah why does no yeah, I, I, I genuinely think so like no, I'll, I'll it happens in anime all the time not. it's the most disappointing thing ever it's, it's sad and also yeah. good because um, if we're honest with ourselves not every show kind of that's really good lands no uh, do you true. know what I think the problem with Game of Thrones is though like the last book isn't written so it's I mean, based that, off yeah. a book series and then so it's notable that once they run out of material and have to come up with it on their yeah. own then it did start to suffer it did start to it's, feel rushed and it's been given like a what an outline of kind yeah. of what might be happening in the book but no like so they've got no source material and as we've we all know the books are always better than, mm. than the on Do screen. Do you think once so, the book comes out, then they'll try and redo. We'll redo. <laughs> <laughs> Reset. <laughs> Forget what you've yeah. seen. Yes, yeah. we already have. Okay. I think, yeah. That's, if, that's a big if the books come out. Yeah. Um, Maybe that will come out in 10 years' time and that's when I'll start the series. Because yeah. I think what they need to do is have like a 10-year break. And then probably put the series on again. The book comes out, yeah. And then they put the series on again, and they just redo the last season, like it never happened. Everyone would have forgotten about yeah. how bad it was because everyone will then remember how much they love Game. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah. as well, like if you, I feel like you could have like what you know at the moment we're going through a like let's remake every Disney film, mm. <laughs> and like um, it's not just Disney, um, but there's a lot of remakes happening. So maybe. You know, 10 years, yeah. 15 years. I, I think they're with The Matrix. Is that not a sequel, though? It's a, yeah, a continuation yeah, of the story. Yeah, but yeah, they're, 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 they're trying to make, make good on what they did. What they did, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. So I feel we came, we kind of got to, obviously, you have a mistake of what story. I feel like <laughs> most surprising story is an easy pick just because, for me, the most surprising story was Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's my one. Even though it didn't come out this year, we did watch it for an earlier episode and I was genuinely surprised that it was a really good film okay. that I had missed. I don't know, did um, you know, it. Okay. So I, first of all, recommend uh, you watch that. Yeah. It's the best video game film that isn't actually a video game film. 
Um, but yeah, Tom Cruise has a good performance. The is it like the time loop mechanic of the film um, is really good, and yeah, it's just I want to play the Edge of Tomorrow game. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's yeah, what I meant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, so I guess we'll we're gonna have a link to that episode where we you can hear our surprise about the film yeah. in real time um, if you're interested. But aside from Edge of Tomorrow, dude, are there any kind of picks from our surprise? I story? can't really answer these questions just like that. <laughs> I just need them <laughs> Because first of all, I won't remember what film it actually was. <laughs> so that's going to take me some time. But yeah, I have this thing where I watch films and then they just go out of my head. I just so love that you I remember think. I have that like reaction but where did it come, come from, from. <laughs> okay, how about you Lau? Um it wasn't on any of our lists but Upgrade was definitely one of the most surprising films because like does anyone even know this one? no yep. there you go go I mean, watch I think Upgrade. I've been told about it go watch Upgrade um, I'm telling you you will like it it is um how can I describe it um it looks like something that was written by one of the Black Mirror writers. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but, but it's a feature film, yeah. and it's really done well. And oh goodness, I think there's another film that's a little bit older called Allied with I think it's Brad Pitt and some other lady, a war film, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like spies and whatnot. Okay. Anyway, I, I would say go watch that film, but to be honest, it only serves to prove how good Upgrade is, so maybe don't watch that film. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what Upgrade does really well is within five minutes of the film starting, it just pulls you in, and you're just like, okay, what's going to happen next? And then it just f- takes you on this, I guess, roller coaster up until the end. Uh, and then it's yeah I can't really share much to be honest it's one of those films but you know expect some tech going on in there it's a little bit dark but yeah it's a it's a it's an interesting watch I'd say and it's got the action and all the other stuff that people like so yeah okay and the last one before we move on to the next segment is are there any stories in 2020 you're most looking forward to Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that as well. Uh, I'm personally looking forward to the next Pixar film that's coming out. However, the name escapes me. So I'm just going to quickly, someone else make a suggestion while I look this up. See, I don't know what's coming out next year. This year, 2019, was the, the year I was really looking forward because we had The Avengers and Endgame and we had Game of Thrones. Wow, I need to hold on for anything like this. But then, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. funny old thing because like, I think I'm with you. Normally what I do is at near the end of the year, I go onto YouTube and I find that channel, you know the one, and it just says, here's all the films coming out in 2020. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I go through that for like half an hour and I'm like, oh, wow, okay, I'm looking out for this film. Um, okay. Uh, so I don't think I've seen any 2020 trailers. I don't know. There's like the New Mutants, which was supposed to come out this year. Yeah, it got pushed back. But the trailer don't look that great from what I've seen, so... 
I was I've trying to been... think of um, the film Soul from Pixar, just because I think Pixar are great storytellers, and I'm just waiting for anything they do next, pretty much. Yeah. I think for me, it's hard to tell what films are coming out next year because you just some trailers come out so so early, or some teasers come out so early. It's like two years later mm. that they come out and you're like, I'm lost. And so there's like a month to go. I don't know. But what yeah, was Pixar's fun. this year? Pixar's film this year, big film. Um, I can't remember. I just remember the beginning. Wasn't the beginning where they had the little. Was it The Incredibles? The Incredibles. Incredibles 2? Yeah. yeah. Was that this year? Maybe. I watched it this year, but I don't know if it came out. I think it did come out at the beginning of this year. Yeah. It was I good. Actually, so. no, summer? Late? Yeah, yeah, early summer. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, early summer. Oh, wow. Well, that was really good, actually. That was, yeah. that was good. I completely forgot. Oh, my yeah. God. I stayed away from it for the longest time because I like... It's one of my favourite films, The Incredibles, and I was like, I don't want to watch this if this is not going to match the first time. it definitely time. did. Yeah. It definitely yeah. done it. Just mm. it kept... And it came out so long after. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. But I think, yeah. I feel like we all forgot that that came out because we yeah. didn't even consider it in our list. <laughs> <I should've, laughs> we all forgot that. That's cool. a yeah. 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 Incredible. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. So, yeah, let us know what your favourite stories are of the year, uh, 2019, whether it's a film, animation, anime, video game. Uh, and what you're most looking forward to in 2020. And we uh, didn't give um, Detective Pikachu. <gasps> Shout out to Detective Pikachu. Honourable mention to Detective Pikachu and Elita Battle Angel. Yeah. I think that was the only two. And Zootopia. And Zootopia, yeah. which we also covered this year. All films that we... Okay, we did forget them, but in our hearts, <laughs> in our, in our hearts we'll not be... Do you know forgotten. why we've got them? Because we have to concentrate so much on this new shortlist. Yeah, yeah. democracy is hard. <laughs> <laughs> this is why dictatorship just... Anyway. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, let us know your thoughts. Feedback at mymatter.com. Tell us what your favourite stories are of the year 2019. Um, so, yeah. Some listener feedback and questions questions um so the first one is from read readable life from on instagram is which scene do you think was the turning point for arthur to become to truly become joker all right so it's easy for me okay go on go for it it was a hospital scene with his mum okay yeah yeah i see that at that point he had nothing else left that was the final for me that was the final layer that needed to be pulled back once he disowned his mum he was a new man I, for me I have to come off of what you said so I feel like that was like I don't think he kind of like snapped I feel like he was already standing yeah. like and I think like that's the point where he could no longer see anything else but I feel like he was already pretty much there mm. quite early on to be Yeah, fair. I kind of feel like it's late. That moment um, is late. But, I, I, but I feel like that was like the no return point yeah. of like there's no going back now. Yeah, I would say that like the answer to that question lies in when is there, when did he get, reach a point of no return well, rather than when, when did he... Killed the when Enterprise employees. No, I feel like then he was like in a bit of a like... 
he could have been saved. Yeah, yeah he, he could have still been, been saved anyway. Yeah. If his girlfriend, I'm using air quotes, had, <laughs> had really got involved in his life at that point, maybe we could have made a man out of him. <laughs> <laughs> a family man, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that point, I feel like he was in. in in anger at the point where he killed the employees and they were they had been like harassing that woman beforehand and then they started to harass him and he, he was in a bad place anyway and he like lashed out he went a, way too far but then he mm. was still in a moral dilemma for himself and when i think he found out about his mom that was like yeah, i think it was that point. he he kind mm. of decided no yeah. he definitely did enjoy that because yeah. that's when he thought he um, Thomas Wayne was his father, so he had that taken away from him. Yeah. And then his exactly. mother's mentally uh, ill, and then he had his yeah, like, okay. abuse and everything at that point. It was like, yeah. he, I feel like he, any any guilt he felt previously, even though he wasn't that guilty before, he didn't really feel much guilt. I feel like he still had a little bit of like obligation to society <laughs> um, because he was hiding it. So clearly there was something wrong with the fact that he killed those people but then after that he stopped trying to hide that and it was like yep I'm here I'm the Joker mm. I like murder <laughs> <laughs> and chaos okay um, so the next question is maybe it was the bit where he was dancing on the steps how about that yeah can't come back from that <laughs> <laughs> although his dancing did get better as the story went on but anyway <laughs> next question um, Kawhi Prince MH asks uh, this is on Instagram uh, what inspired your character design designs and stories um, so I feel we've come from maybe different places in terms of uh, so I think different stories take different inspiration so I remember the Samurai Chef for example was just a very simple parody on cooking show uh, the cooking show format where something like Hot Lunch was inspired by um, a novel I was reading at the time, and then sort of adding in things like Ultras Eleven, uh, the sort of Robin Hood story, and then just some of the things that I guess I picked up from various um, shows and, and books I was reading, but it was yeah, completely different. So one was like just a simple, essentially a joke that I just stretched out, and then another was sort of deep look into what does it mean to be a small crew of uh, folks that are taking on this kind of dominant uh, presence in this universe. Okay, so the next question is from Kimiko underscore 22x on Instagram. What made you want to do characters that are animals instead of humans? I think I've asked Nigel this on a podcast episode before, actually. Yeah, I feel like I have answered this question a few times. But, um, <laughs> So back, way back when we were coming up with the idea for My Matter, we had the concept for the television network. Uh, I think Lau and I had the decision to make in terms of what kind of uh, characters we'd have. So as you're sort of writing manga, the obvious one is humans. Uh, I think we had the choice between humans, animals, and... Um, androids. Androids, yes. So I remember it well. Yeah, yeah. So we had a, there was a bit of debate. I, I think... We were coming from a place of we wanted this to be inspired by manga, but we didn't want you to be or to have to feel like you were super into manga to get into what we were making. Uh, and I felt that if we had made our characters humans, 
it would look like any other manga. And if you're someone who doesn't like manga, or you might have some sort of misconception of what manga is, you just look at it and say, okay, that's not for me because it looks like manga. Uh, but if our characters are animals, even if you're not necessarily into manga, you will see like a monkey in a chef's hat and at least ask the question, why is that monkey in a chef's hat? And at that point we can have a conversation and then we can tell you what it is and uh, why you should be interested. So I feel it's just something that makes um, the format more approachable um, and accessible for people who might not already be into manga. Awesome. Um, so thank you so much for those questions that have been sent in. You can send your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com or on social media at myamada on Twitter, at myamadatees on Instagram or at Tazzy on both. So we have come to the end of our end of year, end of decade uh, show. Um, thanks for joining us if you are listening all the way through so we've talked a bit about Hot Lunch and then we've gone off on one on different stories um, that we've enjoyed or not in the case of Game of Thrones uh, enjoyed over the year so yeah we're going to be taking a uh, break we'll be back in February with more episodes Um, in the meantime you can catch our podcast on Patreon if you're a Patreon backer you'll get the episode 24 hours earlier uh, than everyone else where it will then be released on SoundCloud Spotify and finally Apple Podcasts they've let us in so we're now listed um, we're now like a proper proper podcast and everything so yeah if you want to back us on Patreon you can support and get um, an opportunity to help develop the show which we will be coming to in 2020. And if you are interested at all in the stories that we are creating, you can catch our latest manga, Hot Lunch, Volume 1, on our website and at comic conventions coming to you in the future, which is basically next month. And also coming next month is our next Gamepad event, the New Year uh, Gamepad, where we'll be in Old Street, which is kind of like East-ish London, um, with our first of three headline gamepad events and before then on December the 14th we'll be at the French Institute for the French Play Party which is powered by gamepad that's definitely the phrase we're going to use going forward so yeah you can catch us there from 12pm to 5pm so like I said our next episode will be in February 2020 where we'll be discussing the DC film Birds of Prey and Fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn got to make sure I get the full title in there Um, so yeah stay tuned for that we'll have more great guests and more episodes of Story X Story so thank you for joining us our feedback our email address is feedback at mymatter.com you can send us your feedback and anything we've discussed today and really anything we've discussed this whole year you can also check out our podcast at soundcloud dot com forward slash story x story thank you for joining us